We made it. We're still awake somehow. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third. I'm Sandra and I'm joined today by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman here to break down everything in this United States versus Australia 0-0 draw. Lots to get into, but before we do that, I want to remind everybody that they can find us on Twitter at Attacking Third. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. Uh, we appreciate everybody for joining us this morning. It's an early one for sure. Uh, so if you get a chance, if you enjoy what we're doing over here, you know, leave us a, a rating, a review. That stuff helps us out so, so much. Uh, preferably five stars if you can, uh, even if it's just to console us for being up this early. Lisa, how are you feeling today? I'm a little tired. That game didn't give me a lot of juice for the day, um, but we have things to talk about in there because there's a lot of question marks popping up all over the place, but it's a beautiful day that started with some soccer and will hopefully end with some napping and more caffeine as we go. Sandra, how was your early morning wake up? Uh, it was torture. Uh, <laughs> not even going to act like it wasn't. Uh, I am nestled. Uh, very lovely and comfortably in the Midwest. So it's a very early wake up call for me in the middle of the night. Um, lost a hoop earring in all this. Uh, you hate somehow. To see it. I truly do. And, you know, I threw a poll out there, a Twitter poll out there, and in like true fashion on Twitter, like everyone was so clutch. And I was like, hey, like, should I do attacking third with one hoop earring on? And Absolutely. In a landslide, everybody was like, yes. So, of course, like you throw a Twitter poll like that out there and everybody's like wants to see me come on here looking like a goofy with like (laughs) with like one earring on. So I don't know if people get a good shot of it because the mic is kind of covering it, but I got the one earring here. I'm like not on this side. So I think you look how the rest of us all feel. Like you know, what? a little off, a little confused at what happened. Where did the hoop go? What happened in that game? But you know what? We're still here. That's <laughs> that's what we're going to be representing today. A lot of uh, question marks still as uh, group play concludes. So if you're just joining us, if you're someone who has been along for this early wake up call, or if you're just like rolling out of bed and being like, guys, hit me up. Let me know what I missed. We're here to tell you what we missed. Spoiler alert. United States and Australia just played to a 0-0 draw. And what does it mean, very quickly, before we start getting into all the match details, is that it just means that the United States have secured second place and they have advanced into the knockout rounds for the Olympics. Uh, But let's start getting into this actual game and maybe not talk about what it actually means, because now we know what it means. They're going to the, the quarterfinals. But what does it feel like, Lisa? Let's talk about what it feels like for sure. Uh, let's take a look at the starting lineup. That's where we should start. We should just start at the mm-hmm. beginning. And uh, the United States against Australia, they lined up as follows. They had Alyssa Nair and Nett, Crystal Dunn, uh, Becky Sabrin, Tina Davidson, Kelly O'Hara to round out the back line. They had Julie Ertz, Roosevelt, Sam Mewis uh, to round out the mid, and Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, and Kristen Press to round out their top line. This was the starting 11 that Vladko uh, opted to go with to go against uh, the Matildas. Lisa, hit me with your first reactions when you saw this lineup. I was pleased with the back line. I mean, Nair has done fantastic, so good job keeping her in. Keep that consistency in goal for the U.S. and the back line done, Sarvon, Davidson, O'Hara. I was pleased with that. Um, in our 
last recap episode and our, our preview for this game, I, I, I suggested those four in the back. I wanted to see them. I think that Tierna Davidson has done a tremendous job throughout this tournament. She is getting better every game. She looks good. She looks confident. Um, and and having her in there with Sauerbronn is a really good mix of veteran maturity and young knowledge being explored every single day. I, I really like that combination of those two in the center back position. And then Earths, I wasn't surprised to see her in there again, but as we touched on, she could have been a 35, 45, 60 minute player throughout this tournament. And she is turning into a 90 minute player consistently with just two days rest in between, which is impressive and really necessary. The U.S. needs her to stay in that sixth position. And then Sam U.S. getting the start. Um, I was a little surprised at Rapino up top, just based on what she had done in the previous games. Um, but Morgan and Press, they're, they're speedy and they're really fast. They can get in behind. So I like that combination play. But uh, no, not too many surprises for me on this one. I, I was really happy with that center back pairing. Um, but Sandra, I think we have to talk about the full 22 uh, that were on the bench, the, the subs that were made available. Were you pleased? Were you happy to see those names listed? You know, I was, and I thought it was really interesting to sort of see who was on there and who wasn't. So there's 22 available players, right, for for all head coaches here to select from, but they can only dress 18 for the day. And we were excited to see somebody like Turner Davidson get the start alongside Becky Sarburn. You got to wonder after today's performance and this group play as a whole, looking back on everything, is, is this maybe the type of move that they're going to roll with moving forward into these knockout rounds as hopefully they continue to progress? Um, so excited to see that. And so much so like she got slotted in to this back line to the point where we're looking at the full 18 and there's no Emily Sonnet available. There is no Abby Dalkemper available in this 18. The only defensive option on the bench on this day was Casey Kruger. So it, some things I was looking at, I was just curious as to what that maybe meant in terms of potential game day scenarios, how the match would play out against Australia. And only having one defensive option off the bench for somebody like Crystal Dunn, who has now played three straight 90-minute games for the most part. She's been subbed off here and there, but lengthy games for Crystal Dunn over these three matches. And then somebody in Kelly O'Hara who was coming off of a, a day's rest. Um, that's that's one that's one option to be able to come off of the bench. So you wonder if there's maybe different scenarios in play here. Um they knew coming into this game that they either had to, you know, they were gonna advance with either a win or a draw. Uh, so if your scenarios are preserving a very narrow, close lead or your scenarios are preserving a very uh, tight kind of draw, then maybe you see somebody like a Casey Kruger come in. We didn't see that happen. Um, we saw a lot of subs happen. Vlad Gondonowski utilized all of his roster for the most part. Um, and we'll get into that uh, you know, during this, this match right now. Um, but I wasn't dissatisfied at seeing that that starting lineup uh, initially. I mean, I thought it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, Julie Ertz at this point is showing uh, that if she can go 90, she's going to play these games. And uh, if she's comfortable doing that, the coaching staff is going to slot her in there. And I think that uh, Taylor Davidson is showing us exactly 
who we all thought she was, a very good center back, uh, the future of probably this defensive back line moving forward. And uh, it's great. You love to see it. Uh, really good performances from her today. But United States coming out of first whistle, going up against the Matildas, playing low a little bit, getting pressured, kind of like allowing Australia to take the game to them. It felt kind of with some weird vibes, not used to really kind of having that type of performance to start off a game if you're a United States. And um, I'd be a liar, I think, if I said it wasn't a little disconcerting at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, at As they close out the group stage going into uh, the knockout rounds, uh, some of that, some of these first half stats are, are pretty jarring. Uh, Lisa, I don't know if you had a chance to, to take a look at him, but the biggest one that probably stood out for a lot of people was that really lopsided possession. Yeah, I mean, the possession, I believe it was 61-39 in favor of Australia, which is, that that's a big difference for a team like United States to look at those stats when they traditionally have the advantage in possession. Um, the, you mentioned how this game started and what happened. The United States was really flat. They were really passive in their play on the ball and even defensively, not really stepping hard into tackles or if they did not winning the second ball and letting Australia dictate the tempo and the pace of this game, especially throughout the first half. I was very surprised because we, we typically don't see the United States on their heels. We see them coming out fast, hard, aggressive on the front foot. If you take a look back even to the New Zealand game, they were frantic and they were energized, but they were all over the place. They were, moving the ball around. They were getting into the attack, putting high pressure on. They were on the front foot, although it was a little hectic and chaotic. But this this game against Australia, the United States sat back. They were on their heels. And it wasn't due entirely to Australia coming out on the front foot and coming out very aggressive. They were also a little under the hood. I mean, Australia is not typically a, tra- a team that comes out and and opponents fall backwards onto their heels, but the United States started flat-footed. And so it was just a little bit of pressure from Australia. They were automatically on their heels. It was odd to see. I was confused. I, I had to check. I was like, wait, this is the United States, right? This is, this is the team that we know that has such high press and high pressure and high energy. And even, uh, I'm not just talking about the forwards, but the midfield unit, Rose Lavelle has played incredible Uh, in Sweden even she was probably best player and the last match against New Zealand she was one of the best players throughout this game she was lost in the holes she was trying to find her gaps trying to sit in between the lines but it wasn't good enough she wasn't collecting passes and then on the defensive side of things she was chasing a little bit up top joining into the attack to try to put pressure on especially in that first half but it was an identity that we've never seen from the United States before. And it caught me off guard. I was, I was like, where's our, where's this team? Where did they go? What's, what's different here? Um, So that was the most surprising thing for me that the United States wasn't on the front foot. And instead they were very passive in their first beginning minutes of play of this match. Yeah, it was a pretty, um, again, it's, it's hard to decipher if that was the game plan from the start, but uh it's a little, again, it's a, it's a little confusing. It's a little questionable to just sort of see a team uh, play this conservative, uh, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, we're so used to sort of seeing them um, 
kind of play a little bit differently, uh, especially at the first whistle. They're a team that we see constantly trying to set that tempo first, establish things uh, in their favor, and it just wasn't uh, happening today. I, I would imagine that uh, you look at a team like Australia and you have, again, certain scenarios that you want to play out, hopefully within the game. And like you're looking at a player like Sam Kerr, what are you going to do to try to isolate a player like that or limit her opportunities, limit her ability in the final third? And we saw that today. For, for the most part, uh, they kind of kept a player like her uh, in checking her pocket, but that that kind of freed up somebody like a, a Mary Fowler who had a, a really exciting game. It was really great to see the young forward come out and sort of uh, get really active in, in the United States half there. And uh, it just – it. It felt like another game, quite frankly, where I think a lot of folks who were watching were almost waiting uh, for the United States to start. It was like, hey, like the game started. Like, where are y'all at? Yeah, you were little people. So I I mean, it's not to (laughs) at me. Uh, It's not to it's not to take away from like the very few moments uh, of of offense that was attempted to be generated. I mean, there were. It was a real throwback to some some Abby Wambach long ball there. We, we saw some long balls being lobbed over Australia's back line to somebody like an Alex Morgan who had the ability to get on them, um, but just not like having the maybe the extra touch there to kind of slot it away or, or put it home. Uh, Kristen Press with, with a look or two, um, you know, in, in the final third there. Uh, but Megan Rapino, even at, at some point we saw them switch sides, but just nothing to get get really really get them going. I mean, Megan Rapino ended up picking up a, a yellow <laughs> in this game, as opposed to you know creating some uh, assists or some goals or generating some some gameplay or even winning corners, which quite frankly Australia was also beating them on in terms of getting set pieces, whether they were free kicks uh, or the corner kicks. So just a lot uh, coming out of that first half. In favor of Australia, you got to imagine if um, that early post shot that they had doesn't go in, if maybe it changes things up. Sometimes a goal wakes up both teams, quite frankly. Uh, but it just didn't happen um, in this first half for for either side, really. And and even a goal and sometimes can wake up a team, light a fire under them uh, for both ways, no matter if you score the goal or you get scored upon. And there was a goal called back offside again. This is what, five now in two games, which was yeah. pretty crazy. Um, an Alex Morgan goal, I think it was like the 25th-ish minute around then. So about halfway through the first half, which was a good chance and a really good time for the United States to jolt themselves awake, give them that extra shot of caffeine that they need. Because I thought that goal was going to do it when it, it got um, it was never awarded. It was offside. The VAR check it remained offside and her shoulder was a hair offside. I'll, I'll give it to the VAR on that one. It was so close, though. That was so close, just a hair away. Um, but that didn't even change anything in this first half. Five minutes later, it was almost like, oh, wait. Yeah, they they did get the ball in the back of the net, even though it didn't count. It didn't even matter. There was no energy after that. There was no momentum shift. There was no rhythm after that. They had success on a short corner, getting the ball back out and sending it in over the top. Why not continue to keep doing that? Why not send those crosses in? It already worked once. Just have Alex Morgan watch her line and, and not be a step offside. Um, but 
it didn't do anything for them, that goal that was not allowed, but I, I thought it was going to, and I thought we were going to see a little bit more from them, but of yeah. course, soccer is a game of two halves. They had halftime to go in and discuss it. I, I don't know, Sandra. Yeah. It was tough. It was, it was tough. There were parts of that first half that were really tough to watch. I think the most jarring stat for me was the fact that they, they lost the the duels battle in this one. So in terms of duels one, it was like 60, 40 in favor of Australia. And when you, you know, maybe look at a midfield that has somebody like a Chumi Ertz or like a Sam Mewis, uh, you're, your assumption is going to be like, they're going to eat it. They're going to eat on this day. They're going to eat up that midfield. And it just, it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't happening. And also quite frankly, the, the passing, the disjointed passing that was taking place uh, during this, they just struggled to sort of uh, look like a, a cohesive unit, quite frankly, in this, in this first half. So uh, it continued a little bit in the second half and we're going to get into that right now. But first we've been drinking a lot of caffeine, Lisa. So we're going to take a break and we're going to hydrate. I wonder if uh, I hope the team got some some hydration during halftime. They needed it. They needed to drink up some agua, just sit <laughs> for a second and think about what was happening in the game. And at halftime is a chance to see what your opponents are throwing at you. Lisa, no immediate substitutions to start the second half. So we see and that's not that's not uncommon. We haven't we haven't seen too much like hitting the panic button in this group stage. Uh, no immediate halftime substitution for the second half. We did eventually see subs in this game, but this opening 15 minutes of this second half for the team, it was the initial starting 11 uh, being tasked to sort of go out there and sort of stick with it. Like question mark, whatever it was, they were told to stick with it. And uh, unfortunately, again, we just didn't really see that breakthrough happen. It was really good to, to see uh, Julie Ertz all of a sudden just sort of surged with this energy where she was just like, well, apparently I've got I've got two hands and I've got to grab multiple necks by the scruff and like pull everyone forward. We started to see a little bit more pressure happening there uh, as as Australia was still controlling possession of the ball, uh, starting to see more players kind of flock to the ball, try to create something, um, but nothing super, super meaningful coming out of this opening 15 minutes. What were some of your impressions uh, seeing the lack of subs and, and seeing some of this uh, early play in the second half? I wasn't entirely surprised at the lack of substitutes coming out of halftime. 45 minutes is not a long time um, for these players. Usually you see subs around the hour mark at, at this, the first subs around the hour mark. So I wasn't surprised at no subs coming out of half. However, like you mentioned, there was a little bit more urgency and there was a little bit more umph to the start of this second half, but still the United States had no cadence and, and rhythm in their play. When they got the ball, it was a quick transition, try to get down the field, which can work, but it's, it's very unusual to not see the United States midfield controlling the ball, receiving it, holding up play, dishing it out to Dunn and O'Hara who are moving up the flanks and then finding their forwards. It's a lot of the play that we see center backs winning the ball midfield outside backs up the flanks. And that's not what was happening. It was get the ball, make one pass and then look long, try to find players in and over the top of Australia's back line. So the cadence and, and the lack of rhythm was still not there. And and we saw it so well in the New Zealand match. Um, but the fact that it wasn't here at the start of this second half was almost like, 
okay, like, what did you guys do in the locker room? Did you just look at each other? Did, was there any conversation going on about what we can do? And, and maybe the game plan was just sit back and go long over the top, just have a little bit more energy. And you mentioned Julia, she is the player that came out in the second half with a little bit more in her and, and a little bit of fire under her to move the ball farther down the field and step in and start winning tackles in the midfield. She was a player that broke up a lot of the forward momentum from Australia, but this, this game was played in the middle of the park uh, throughout these first 15 minutes before we saw any changes coming in. Um, but the lack of, of rhythm and consistency in the passing was very, very uncharacteristic for the United States in the second half, at the start of the second half. Yeah, as honestly, as the game like just take past the hour mark there, we started to see the substitutions come on. And uh, it was interesting sort of watching, covering the game for CBS Sports on our live vlog, but also like paying attention to Twitter and sort of seeing maybe some of the discourse on there. A lot of folks wanting to see Lynn Williams, myself included, uh, and we did see some substitutions, uh, but it wasn't uh, what we thought it was going to be really to try to change the game. We saw Lindsey Huran and Tobin Heath come on for Megan Rapino and Sam Mewis right around the 64th minute, and uh, we eventually saw Lynn Williams and Carly Lloyd both come on into the match uh, during the 73rd minute. So uh, a little bit of a, a change there sort of happening within 10 minutes of each other from, you know, the 64th to the, to the 73rd minute, which... Granted, you bring on a player like Carly Lord, you bring on a player like Lynn Williams specifically, and you imagine that she's going to be tasked with certain responsibilities, uh, but we didn't see that uh, out of Lynn Williams coming into this second half. you got to wonder uh, what sort of tactics and instructions that she was given uh, before she went on out there on the pitch. And players tend to do well when they can be themselves and, and play their type of game. So a player like Julie Ertz, put her in the six, have her read the play defensively, step in, win tackles, and then distribute the ball quickly. That's what she does well. When you throw a player like Lynn Williams into this game, a player that loves to high press, she is the first one behind the ball, chasing it down, getting in behind. She's the energizer bunny all over the field, and that's why people – on Twitter and watching this game wanted to see Lynn Williams in. They were looking for that spark, that high intensity energy coming into the front line to get in behind and put pressure on Australia's back line. And when Lynn Williams stepped onto the field, she wasn't in the center, which is traditionally where she plays in, in that nine position. She was playing out wide on the flanks, which, okay, you have other players in and around you like Carly Lloyd that are very good in that nine position. So keep her in there. But then we didn't see Lynn Williams doing Lynn Williams things. Um, and, and maybe that's a coaching decision to say, hey, we're going to put you in here, but we need you to sit back. We need you to let Australia's back line pass around and just sit in the holes, try to prevent the ball from going into the midfield unit. We could see tastes of Lynn Williams when the ball would come to her and she'd want to just pounce on top of it. And we got more of that as Australia tried to move the ball wide into their flanks. There was more of a trap happening between O'Hara and Williams and, and Dunn and Heath on the sides, um, trying to win the ball back in the flank before it moved forward, which was different than the first half. Uh, a bit more aggression and a bit more intensity to win the ball back higher up the field, but still it was very uncharacteristic of the United States to not be in such a high press and use all their energy and all their speed up top to win the ball back quickly trap in, in 
one side of the field defensively, win the ball back, and then go in transition. So the subs were there. They provided a different look. And also when Lindsay Horan stepped into the midfield, she pushed higher. Um, and maybe that was some coaching and, and how she plays really well with Julie Earth. But with Horan in the midfield, she could push higher. So when the United States did win the ball back in their back line, they could find Haran who would hold the ball up. And the difference in Haran and Sam, Sam Mewis, is that Haran would sit higher up the field. So the transition play was already happening immediately, 10 yards more into the attacking end than it was with Mewis. Um, so just adding Haran in there allowed the United States to play higher up the field more quickly and more efficiently. However, no goals came, as we know, this one ending in a draw. So it wasn't. It wasn't there enough, but they also didn't have many chances to get the ball in the back of the net. No, it, it just it was the same situational moments like happening for this team on the stretch. It just didn't uh, they didn't really cut into that possession at all at any point. Um, and it just sort of stayed remained the same for the most part, uh, even with the substitutions, quite frankly, even though we saw very small moments uh, and Honestly, we're, we're seeing in this final uh, group match in match day three, some questionable body language as well. Um, something that if there's been a, a constant <laughs> theme, I think, for this team, and this isn't necessarily a silver lining, if there's been a constant for this team, there has been like some questionable moments where we're recognizing some kind of maybe even frantic uh, body language, maybe looking like, where's my teammate? Where's the next pass going to be, et cetera. Uh, so that's not something um, that's another thing, excuse me, that that is kind of new to see from this team, uh, especially in, in tournament mode. Uh, as the minutes winding down, hitting the final whistle, cameras hitting up the sideline, seeing somebody like Alex Morgan shaking her head, not ha- obviously not happy with that type of performance. Uh, maybe we start taking a look now um, at what could possibly be the silver linings in a match like this, Lisa? It ends 0-0. It plays out to a scoreless draw. We ended up seeing defensive scenarios, the team getting a little bit more organized. Honestly, Australia, same vibe. They appear to hit a little bit of a wall themselves. It's tough going up against a a United States women's national team that sort of has this little bit of relentless engine. And if you're both looking to split the points to maybe put yourself in better scenarios to advance, maybe during the final five minutes of the match, you're content to sort of play it out. So we saw the United States uh, be a little more organized, try to control them all a little more. Same same with Australia. Final whistle blows. A lot of smiling faces, uh, you know, towards towards the end there as, as, as the players coming together to say good match. Uh, but a draw secure second place. But what what was what else was conceded in all of these games, Lisa? I, I mean, you mentioned the silver lining, Sandra. I guess it, one of them in this one is the United States going up against a player like Sam Kerr, who didn't make a lot of waves in this match. They didn't allow her too many chances to get the ball as as efficiently as she traditionally does for Australia. Um, yeah, they secured second place. They got a tie. They're moving on. But is this enough to continue to win? Because now it's lose or go lose and go home. Yeah. It's it, there's no other choice for the United States, and they need to win and, and win big. Um, and, and we don't usually see this team be so defensive minded. And maybe that was the game plan. Maybe it was let's see if we can 
sit back and hold a clean sheet without trying to score. A lot of times you see teams do that when they go up one goal and they're just looking to close out the game. But for this, it looked as if the United States wanted to see what they could do with pressure from their opponents with the 0-0 scoreline to see how much pressure they could have applied on them defensively and see what they could withstand. So silver lining there that they can hold a clean sheet and sit back and defend really well, but it's not enough. This is not enough moving forward. They need to find themselves again and find their scoring abilities. And maybe it's the, the relationship and the player partnerships that need to change a little bit. We've seen lots of different rotations in lineups and player personnel and who's getting in and who's doing what and, and can the outside backs and Dunn and O'Hara specifically get forward and contribute in the buildup of the play and sending crosses in because there was none of that in this game. There's maybe three or four instances when we had Dunn and O'Hara coming out of the back when that is Crystal Dunn's bread and butter to get into the attacking end, cut inside, send crosses in with her left foot and her right foot. And we didn't see that. We did not see that. Um, it, the game plan to move on was succeeded. You can check that box. United States, you are moving on to the next stage in the next round, but yeah. you need to start scoring goals and you need to start finding an identity that makes other teams intimidated by you. Because right now, every other team in this Olympic tournament is looking at the United States and saying, we can beat them. If they're going to do that, we can beat them. We can get one on the board and then see what they do. They ended this match with a clean sheet, something that they weren't able to do in their first two games. Uh, good defensive performances. That's what I think you're looking at when you're sort of looking at the game as a whole. You maybe kind of hone in on those individual performances. Uh, you know, we praise uh, Tierna Davidson at the top of this episode. Going to just go ahead and do it again. Um, solid, solid 90-minute performance uh, from the young defender today. Um Gonna also mention Crystal Dunn. I thought she was pretty solid on the back line as well. Uh, looking, I, I, we've been talking about Julie Ertz all <laughs> all group play, uh, even from her 45 minutes against Sweden to now this third uh, group game to close things out. Um, but there's still there's still some uh, question marks there for sure, and uh, maybe there this is just going to be another game that they've got to take a look at going into the knockout rounds to try to tighten some things up, quite frankly. Um, we've been also been hearing that a lot during this Olympics, that this is a team that tends to take performances and go back and kind of rake through them and take a look and see where they can improve and uh, kind of build on that. So we'll see. And in the meantime, um, at Attacking Third, we're going to have fun analyzing it. We love to talk about this, whether it's a win, loss, or draw. Don't get it twisted. So we're here today uh, chatting this up. And, and as we're discussing this, Lisa, we know that this team advanced to the knockout rounds, but we don't know who their opponent's going to be yet. So at the time of this recording, as of us going live, they will either be facing the Netherlands or Brazil. So to maybe start closing this out, Lisa, maybe let's take a look at both of these potential opponents. I think really quickly, uh, Going up against Netherlands, obviously some familiarity there. Uh, facing off against them in the 2019 World Cup final. Uh, also getting a game against them to close out 2020 during an international window uh, where they played a friendly and United States defeated them 2-0 once again. And then on the other side of the thing, we've got 
a Brazilian team that looks like they are having a lot of fun <laughs> in this Olympics, led by uh, Pia Sonhag, the former United States women's national team coach, less coach to win a gold medal, quite frankly, uh, with this United States side. So she's got her Brazilian squad playing uh, very well, looking uh, very enthusiastic, playing a lot of good soccer, fun soccer during this Olympic tournament. Who are you looking at uh, in these two teams for the United States to potentially face off in the quarterfinals? What what do you think they're going to bring? I mean, like you mentioned, both teams, the Netherlands and Brazil, are a tough task for the United States to face. So no matter who they get to play, it will be a, a big game and something that will be a challenge for the United States. None, no game will be easy moving forward and no game has been easy looking back at this Olympic Games. Um, I think the lesser of the two evils would be the Netherlands for the United States, just based on how well Brazil has been doing so far in this tournament. They're scoring a lot of goals and they have a head coach, like you mentioned, P.S. Ndahe, who has coached the United States, coached them to a goal, understands the United States and what they're trying to do very well, similar to a Sweden side who can maybe break down the United States, find those holes and those gaps and be more successful over the United States than any other team. Um, and also the attacking weapons that Brazil has. I mean, just looking at Marta, she has continuously improved every single game, getting better, scoring goals, being a 90-minute threat to opponents when she plays against them. So I guess the lesser of two evils is the Netherlands, but they'll still cause a lot of trouble to the United States. Like you mentioned, a long history there between those two squads and those two nations. It'll be a big, tough game. If you had to pick, who would you want the United States to play? I'm just, uh, I'm just greedy, and I want to see fun, entertaining soccer. So I would want to see Brazil, <laughs> hands down. I love when these two teams go go head to head. It's always, it's always thrilling, no matter who's been at the head coaching position for the Brazilians, uh, because of the players that they've got on the team. Somebody like Marta, legend of the game. And somebody like a Debinha who can just spin a game on its heels in a second. Um, so I would love to see it. I, I know there are people who maybe don't want to see that so early in the knockout rounds. Uh, but I'm not one of those people. Bring it. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're asking me if I have a preference, I do. I, I, I am eager to see Brazil go up against the United States. Uh, in the Olympics. So, so we'll see. Uh, I think either way, it's going to be a real test for the United States, just like all of these games apparently have been in some capacity. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be back though. We'll, we'll be here to talk about it no matter what, Lisa, no matter who, who it is, we're going to be here for our listeners to chat about, uh, about the knockout rounds. So I want to thank everybody for now for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Going to hit you all with a quick reminder to please follow us on Twitter at attacking third. Going to remind you all that we're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Just join, uh, go ahead and visit youtube.com slash attacking third. And I want to also remind everybody that we don't just do Olympic coverage. We're here to hook you up with NWSL coverage as well. So we will be back soon with an NWSL preview for you because the league is not taking a break during the Olympics. Uh, We will go and cry about that. Uh, But we'll be back with an NWSL preview uh, and some more Olympic coverage for you all. Thank you once again for Sandra Rera and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Thirds.